Happy New Year. So good to see all of you uh, this morning. Uh, you know, just to, to tag on what Eric was talking about with the uh, vision fund and the mortgage and whatnot, uh, you know, every day, you know, with the online giving, a lot of us have set up online giving and it kind of just takes out so much every week. But, uh, but I think our actual number is probably like $115,000 that's remaining. And uh, a lot of times, if you're like myself, you know, I have it set up automated over the course of a year. But I have this idea that I want to throw out at you, that in February, we usually do like an annual meeting, a Vision Sunday, where we celebrate uh, what's happened in the past year, and we kind of look forward to the coming year. Uh, but think about our church collectively, counting to 115. 115,000. Think of what you give over the course of the year. If you have the means uh, to squeeze it into the first couple of months, uh, you know, the next couple of months, if we squeeze that in, uh, we could be debt-free by the time we have our vision meeting, I think, very easily. Uh, so pray about that. Think about that. But, uh, but the, the generosity has been uh, overwhelming, and uh, it's been cool to see our church kind of get uh, into a fresh, clean space to think about the future and, and future steps for us. Well, uh, over uh, the last month or so, the Christmas season, uh, we've been reflecting really on the meaning of two tiny words, or maybe even more specifically, two tiny letters. There's two tiny letters that make up one of the smallest words in the English and yet upon which the Bible hangs its richest theology and most profound mysteries. And those two tiny letters are actually a preposition, the word in, I-N. What does it mean to say that we're in Christ? Our relationship with God through Christ is defined by those two little words, uh, those two little letters, I-N. In fact, I want you just to say that. And just internalize it for a moment, just the phrase, in Christ. Just say, I'm in Christ. Go ahead, I'm in Christ. If you're a believer, that is your status, your standing, your position, you're in Christ. And over uh, the last uh, several messages, we've just kind of taken that idea and really unpacked it in a lot of different ways. We started talking about God's eternal plan and purpose to offer us salvation in Christ, a plan that God set in stone, that he scripted to occur on a cross uh, before the foundations of the earth. It's just an amazing thing to think about. Uh, we talked about God's purpose in Christ, that we're not just happy uh, accidents in the galaxy, you know, that, that are uh, here by complete chance. That we are created by God and we are created for God. We are created to live uh, with supernatural meaning and purpose and significance. So we're not just created by Christ, we're created for Christ. And so we find our purpose in Christ. In Christ, we know God's presence. In Christ was uh, a life and that life was the light of men. Christ is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. Uh, Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And so Jesus is the word. He became human. He became flesh. He dwelt amongst us, camped among us. He moved into our neighborhood. Uh, Jesus in, in, in Christ, God is present among us. We talked about God's power in Christ, that Jesus spoke every word he heard from the Father. 
he uh, did every work that he saw the Father doing. And most profoundly, Jesus is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who would trust him and believe in him. And he demonstrated his power of salvation to forgive and conquer death by his resurrection from the grave. At Christmas, we talked about the peace of God that's available in Christ. Uh, This week, I was reminded of C.S. Lewis's famous quote where he said, God cannot give us happiness and peace of mind apart from himself because it's not there. There is no such a thing. Jesus is our peace. In Christ, we have peace. And there's other things that we could have talked about if there was more weeks uh, in December. Uh, For example, what about the preeminence of God in Christ? The fact that God establishes his rule, his reign, his authority in Christ. Uh, That one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. We could have talked about the parousia, that's a Greek word for advent, for appearance. That one day Christ is coming again to raise the living and the dead. And uh, some will be resurrected to, to life and peace, and some will be resurrected uh, to a judgment. There'll be some, it'll be a very sad day because uh, we're going to have to give an account for every deed done in the body. And for some people, it's going to be a really sad day when Christ returns because they're going to come up with all the justifications that they can come up with for the evil that they did while in the body. But it's going to be a really victorious day for believers because we don't have to justify ourselves. We can point to Christ's blood and ask Christ to justify us forever before a holy God. And what a gift that will be, Christ's blood, his justification, his righteousness, his salvation. So in Christ is a very powerful idea that the scripture hangs all sorts of things on. And you can never really exhaust this idea of what it means to be in Christ. In Ephesians 1.3, do you remember uh, Paul wrote that letter and he said, blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's blessed us in every spiritual, in, in the spiritual realm with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Everything gets hung on a relationship of being in Christ. We were chosen in Christ, predestined in Christ, adopted as sons and daughters in Christ, lavished with God's love in Christ, redeemed in Christ's blood, given all wisdom and understanding in Christ, given the mystery to all of life in Christ. We are reconciled to God in Christ along with all things. We are given an eternal inheritance in Christ, given God's Holy Spirit in Christ as a down payment for all the good that's to come. We know God's power in Christ through resurrection. And on and on, this idea of being in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, is so loaded with so many different things. In fact, when you think about it, the absolute worst place that you can be in all the universe is outside Christ. And in Scripture, you're either abiding in Christ or you're standing outside of Christ. You can't have one foot in one door and one foot in the other door. You're either abiding in Christ or you're standing outside of Christ. Ephesians 1.13 says, In Christ you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed. When you believed, when you heard, when you responded to the gospel, you were included in Christ. You were saved. 1 Corinthians 6.11 says, some of you used to be 
like really, really bad, and there's a list of things that you hear all the time, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Galatians 3.27, for those of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, and look, the new has come. Romans 8.1, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. I'll tell you what you might do sometime today. Go to BibleGateway.com. Maybe you have an app with the YouVersion Bible on it. Pull up your favorite Bible app and search for the phrase, in Christ. Just put it in parentheses, in Christ. Go to Google and type in, what does the Bible say about being in Christ? I guarantee you, you will be overwhelmed. Uh, Chills will fill your body when you look at the vast testimony of the scripture of everything that we have in Christ. And some of you, you know, you've believed on Christ, many of you, and you've realized the riches of what it means to be in Christ. But some of you have never believed on Jesus. Some of you have never confessed your sins and the despair apart from God. Some of you have never clothed yourself in Christ in baptism. And so one of the things I want you to think about in this new year is, uh, why not get your salvation in order, so to speak, and really hear and, and really respond fully to the gospel of Jesus Christ? Eric mentioned a pathway class. And if you're interested in a pathway class, you can go to the events page on our Lakeside website, and you can sign up for the pathway class. We do it on Sunday morning to make it as convenient as possible. You're already here. You can just go right into the chapel to this class and you can begin to understand how your position in Christ can be so transformative for you. It's very easy. At the end of the service, uh, we have folks that are available to pray and you can go up to any staff person. You can go up to any uh, prayer person. You can go out to the Welcome Center. Uh, You can grab me. Uh, And if you're interested in giving your life to Christ, We want you to start the new year off giving your life to Christ and trusting him truly for salvation. We want you to know the joy of being in Christ. It's time to take steps of faith in this new year. Now, I've got something that's really amazing to share with you. And so I just told you that the Bible, that the greatest wonders of God in Christ uh, hang on that phrase, in Christ. So I had you say that, in Christ, in Christ, over and over. But do you realize that there's a phrase that is equally profound, but different? So you have this idea of being in Christ, but you can also explore the idea of Christ in you. You can reverse those two words, in Christ to Christ in. And so you reverse those phrases, and the Bible has much to say about Christ being in you. That when you give your life to Christ, God gives himself to you in a very profound way. And it opens up a whole new universe of hopes and dreams and possibilities for your life. So think of it this way, Ephesians 1.3, uh, I don't think it's on the screen, but you've been blessed 
with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So the phrase in Christ speaks of your position, of salvation. Uh, But buckle your seatbelts up because there's other passages like Colossians 1, I'll get to it in a second. It speaks of how we literally become God's instruments, his conduits, his ambassadors, representatives, his ministers in this world. It's not just that you take up position in Christ by faith. It's that Christ takes up position in you through that same faith. You stand in Christ, but Christ stands out through you. It's an amazing thing to contemplate. We stand in Christ before a holy God, but a holy God in Christ by his spirit stands out in us. It's it's that Christ takes up position in us. Not just that we abide and dwell in Christ, but that Christ in turn abides and dwells in you. So just as the Father dwelt in Christ, and when the Father dwelt in Christ, Jesus would say, I have the Father's spirit, I'm speaking his words, I'm doing what I see. You know, there was a oneness between Jesus and the Father. And in the same way, the Father, the Son, the Spirit dwells in you. That, that God's taking up position in us. So Colossians 1 is one of the places where this idea is introduced to us. The Apostle Paul says, and I know we don't have a frame of reference for some of this, I rejoice in my sufferings, which are for you. He's talking to the church, and he's suffering, and he's going through all sorts of hardships, and he's in prison and uh, 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 facing health crises and all sorts of things, let alone the prison conditions. And and Paul finds joy in whatever he's suffering, uh, and he says, I'm completing in my flesh what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for his body, that is the church. I've become its servant according to God's commission that was given to me for you. To make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to the saints. God wanted to make it known among the Gentiles, the glorious wealth of this mystery, which is... Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. I labor for this striving with his strength that so powerfully works within me. Whatever does it mean, not only that you are in Christ, but Christ is in you. How far should we take that idea? How far should we press that notion that Christ is in you? He's in the church. He's in his body. You know, later in the book of Colossians, Paul says, hey, the mystery is this. Christ is in you now. But in Colossians 3, Paul applies this in a very profound way to us. He says, if you've been raised with Christ, and that's an important thing to say, uh, that you, you need to believe and trust God and bend your knee before the God of the universe. It's not just by default you're in Christ. You have to surrender to Christ and trust him and believe on him and receive his gift. And, uh, and, and if you have been raised with Christ, he says, seek the things above 
where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And here's the pivotal statement. You died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ who is your life appears, then you'll also appear with him in glory. When Christ who is your life, uh, you'll also appear with him in glory. He is my life. Christ in me. I'm dead. Christ is animated in me. He's dwelling in me, living out his life where my life was once lived. It's not just that we've given our lives to Jesus. It's far more profound than that. We're dead and Christ Jesus is living his life through us. That is as profoundly mystical as it is profoundly true. As believers, Christ is our life. We are his body. We are his hands and feet. He's the head. We have the mind of Christ. Uh, We have his spirit, his power, his strength. When we serve, it's with his strength. Uh, And he's the one who is striving and powerfully working both in us and through us. We are full participants by God's spirit and his divine nature, but God's full participant in our human nature still by virtue of his spirit. He's living out this human life through us uh, as as God. That, That is an amazing thing to think about. The apostle Peter not only talked about participating in the divine nature, but the apostle Peter had this sense of identity that God was abiding in him. He says, if anyone speaks, in 1 Peter 4.11, if anyone speaks, he should speak as one speaking the very words of God. And if one serves, let it be with the strength God provides, that he may be glorified through Christ Jesus in everything. To him be the glory and the power forever." and ever. Amen. You know, for Jesus, when he said the Father was abiding in him, it meant I'm saying what he says, I'm doing what the Father is showing me to do. It means the same thing for us, that for Christ to be in us means we would say what Christ would say on any particular occasion. We would do whatever Christ would do on any particular occasion. Instead of living out of the flesh, instead of living out of whatever whims or passions or desires we have, we would always ask this question, you know, how would Christ live in this situation, in this moment, in in this second, in this new year, right? Philippians 2, 12 through 13, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's God working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose. You know, we die to self And we let Christ work out his life through our life in this dark world. Uh, You get into salvation in Christ by trusting Christ's work. But you work out your salvation by letting Christ take over in you. Letting him shine through you. Being his ambassador, his representative. I wanted you to think about this idea in the new year. So many people are like, what's my purpose You know, what is it that God would have me do? And I think what he'd have us do is to die to self and let Christ reign in us. 
let Christ live out his life in us. Ephesians 4, Paul wrote Colossians, Ephesians, he wrote all these letters at the same time while in prison. He tells the Ephesian congregation in Ephesians 4, there is one body and one spirit. He says, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, you were called to one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in all. You know, you're either in the Father, you're either in Christ, you're either in spirit, you're in the body, or you're standing outside of all of it. Uh, Your position is that you're in the Father, in Christ, in the spirit. Grace has been given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. It says, when he ascended on high, he took captives captive. He gave gifts to people. And what does he ascended mean except he also descended to the lower parts of the earth? The one who descended is also the one who ascended to the heavens. Christ died. He was buried. He raised to the right hand of the Father. But why did he, why was he raised to the Father? In order to fill all things. Think of God wanting to fill the universe with his glory. Think of God wanting to fill the universe with his presence. Fill the universe with his power. Fill the universe with his purpose and plan and his promises. Think of God wanting to reconcile all things to himself in Christ. How is God going to do that? He ascended to the Father. But what Ephesians tells us is that when he ascended, he did so to fill the earth with his presence through his church. Jesus ascended, and when he ascended, it wasn't like Elvis left the building. Elvis is still around in a way. Jesus ascended to the Father, but he's filling the earth with his glory and presence through us. How does he do it? He gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the church, the saints, for the work of ministry, to build up the body of Christ. This is God's strategy for filling the, the, the universe with his glory. It's building up the church. And he's going to build up the church until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of God's Son, until we're growing in maturity with the stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we'll no longer be children tossed around by waves, blown around by every kind of teaching, by human uh, cunning with cleverness and techniques of deceit. We're not going to emotionally manipulate everybody into this kind of inspiring life in Christ. But just speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in the love by the power, uh, the proper working of each individual part. Jesus' body, on the one hand, is ascended to the Father. But in another way, Jesus' body never left the earth because the church is the life-giving body of Christ. You've been given gifts and capacities and resources and relationships and opportunities and possibilities and dreams. And, and it, it's not just, you know, Christ isn't just with us. He's now dwelling within us by his spirit. And these gifts and capacities and abilities and talents are 
a means of blessing others. Uh, not just that we are blessed in Christ, but we are a blessing to others in Christ because Christ is in us. We're in Christ. And, and Christ is living his life out through us. How should you think of your life in 2023? Maybe you realize that this is a really good time to think of renewing your sense of identity and purpose. It's a new year. Today's the first. You know, don't make a New Year's resolution. Uh, begin the year with repentance and just saying, you know, I want to not only be in Christ, but I want Christ to dwell in me. What would it look like for Christ to be fully alive in you in this new year? What would it look like for Christ to be fully alive in your relationship with you and your spouse or your boyfriend or girlfriend or your fiance? What would it look like for you to be a light to your family, Christ fully alive and present, living his life out through you and your family? What kinds of things would you say to your family? What kinds of things would you do differently if you understood that you are Christ's very presence to your family? Uh, what would it look like for you to be Christ's presence in your neighborhood? Uh, so many needs around us every moment of every day. And we're flying by people that are hurting. And, and uh, what would it look like just for us to stop and be Christ's presence truly, his hands and feet. Maybe there's a, a task that needs to be done. Maybe there's words that need to be spoken. Maybe just sitting with somebody in their pain. Maybe listening. Maybe making a sacrifice or responding to something tangible. But, but what would it look like for you to be present in Christ in your neighborhood? What about your school or your workspace? You're doing business. Uh, your schedule's full. You know, you're not just a business person. You're not just a student. You are Christ's presence in that space that you find yourself in. What would it look like for you to be Christ in public? All right, you know, you definitely have the social networks. What would it look like for Christ to be present in a dark place like TikTok or Facebook or Instagram? You know, to shine and be Christ's presence in those spaces. What would it look like for Christ to walk down the street in a public place, what would he, who would he stop and talk to? Where would he pause? You know, like, this is the idea, not just that we have this standing in Christ, but that God wants to stand out in this darkened universe through us. We're in Christ, but Christ is in us. We die to self. God, live your life out through us. Animate us. Cause us to will and to work according to your good purpose. This is a whole new way of thinking about our lives in a new year. Uh, sometime this week, go look up in Christ, but also look up Christ in you and see what the Bible says about that. And that's really, this life is where we stand in Christ and how God stands out in us. Those are the twin themes that, that are the bedrock of our identity as God's people in this world. Let's pray. Dear Father, we pray that more and more of us, uh, not just here in this room, but in our circles of relationships, we pray that more can take up their stand in Christ. And they can find salvation in Christ and every spiritual blessing in Christ. We pray that we would be a connective people, a connective church, connecting people to the vine, to Christ himself for eternal life. But Father, for that to happen, you have to stand out in us. 
your life has to become our life. We have to get out of the way and allow you, your strength, your will, your purpose, uh, your words, your works to shine through us. Help us to do that in this new year by your spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.